What is up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Five Star Jobbers Podcast. I'm Cody. And I am Adam Cole's dance instructor. Oh, my gosh. I'm... Give a little pelvic thrust. <laughs> Give a little pelvic <laughs> gotta, thrust. Gotta bring and it. hips. And, and hips. hips. Bring it with the <laughs> hips. Like, uh, what is it? Uh, like Donald, was it like Donald Glover and Happy Gilmore? You exactly. Know, like, it's all, all in, in the, the hips. hips. <laughs> it's, it was too much in the hips. Very much in the hips. Man, gosh. that was a... I mean, that's how I dance. So I mean, I don't know about you, but yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, that's how yeah, I do it. It's got to have hips. I mean, it, you got to have pelvic thrust. Exactly. There's got to be some pelvic thrust involved in there. So yeah, I myself deliver more mail than the United States Postal Service. <laughs> <laughs> My gosh. But anyway, guys, thank you so much for listening to our episode here. If you're new to the uh, podcast, welcome. If you haven't listened to any of our episodes, go back and listen to all of them. We've got, what, 16 now? This is number 17, I believe. I believe that's a baker's dozen there, Bob. Exactly. I I mean, at least, uh, yeah, at least 14 or 15, maybe 16. Yeah, thank you guys for listening. All of you that have listened to us from the very beginning, we're so thankful for you. And also to our worldwide audience. All you people that are all across the country, thank you to everyone that's in Belgium, Singapore, Denmark, Ethiopia, Ireland, South Africa, Germany, UK, Ghana, India, and Canada. I got it all in one breath. We have Canadians? We have one Canadian. Well, we probably lost them after the whole uh, Montreal screw job. Yeah, if you're debate. still if you're still there, if you're not, I mean, we apologize. You know, different viewpoints, but hope you still listen and tell your friends to listen as well, no matter how right or wrong we are. But aside from that. We're so excited about the new episodes coming up. we got a lot of things that are coming up in the future for the podcast as well. Well, not just for the podcast, but we're starting to create a YouTube channel now. We're That's gonna right. Be, we're going to be getting TikTok at some point. Oh, yeah. So there's going to be a lot more content coming your way, guys. And I can't thank everybody enough that has been supportive of us through this whole endeavor with this podcast. People that are family and friends, and also people that are involved in the business. You know, we've had guests on this show from... Uh, people that are wrestling promoters to actual people that are independent wrestlers and overall just different people that are involved in the business in some way, shape, and form. And yeah. We, and it's just been so great to be able to be, like we talked about last episode, just involved in the business in some way. You know, we both had aspirations, as did a lot of people, about growing up and becoming a professional wrestler. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we're still involved in the business Absolutely. through this. No, I and, think, and it's it's really interesting, you know, getting to know a lot of the people on the local indie scenes and some local promoters and, you know, getting to listen to them and pick their brains and kind of learn, you know, the different viewpoints and points of view. Because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, when you watch a product, you're, you're really watching, you know, just one, you're watching one person's, you know, product. There's so many different varieties of professional wrestling throughout the area. And there's so many different mindsets and to be able to talk to so many different people and I say also to be able to, uh, to be an influence on some people as we've had some conversations with people and mentioned things where they've said they've had those aha moments and gone, you know, that, that's a really good point. Right. So it's, yeah, it's, this has been a wild fun ride so far and we'll keep, uh, we'll keep it going as long as they allow us to. Exactly. And if you ever want to check us out on social media, you can look at us up on uh, Facebook and Instagram at five star jobbers. And like I said, we're going to have YouTube coming up here in just a little bit, and we're going to have TikTok as well. So there's more coming for you guys, so you get to enjoy all of us, not just through audio, but also through video. 
Yeah, and chances, I think, of the last conversation we had, we talked about me taking bumps in a wrestling ring. So uh, anybody who likes to watch fat people get hurt, <laughs> tune in. There's more. It's going to be coming, guys. We're excited for it. But, yeah, you know, a lot is going on this week with professional wrestling, and we're going to get into a it's segment. A fantastic week. It's been a phenomenal week. You know, Ring of Honors just recently had their uh, Death Before Dishonor event. A great, I, great show. Oh, yeah. I, I only got to see, like, clips of it a little bit, but from what I got to see, it was just... Phenomenal. And with the yeah. Claudio Castanelli versus Pac. That great. Fantastic great match. match. Uh there's just yeah, there's there's just a lot of really good content coming out right now. I mean, we've I think I've said it in the past. I mean, we are we are back in a wrestling heyday. Exactly. You know, we've been in a wrestling drought for many, many years where WWE was really the only main product. And even when AEW first started, like, you know, they were still finding their way. Finding right? their footing, finding their way. The last you know, knock on wood, don't want to jinx it, but you know, the last month and a half, two months of, of, of dynamite and collision, I mean, they have hit a sweet spot. Absolutely. And, I mean, you see it in the crowds. Crowds are way bigger. Um, I mean, they filled the garden. Oh yeah. They, like, that that, that was crazy. A, that was a full show. I mean, they, they've already pretty much. I think that seventy five thousand. I believe they've already sold seventy five thousand tickets yeah. for All In and Wim- and Wembley. So they don't even have announced matches, and they've sold seventy five thousand. Right. So they're, I mean, they're churning and burning. Um, you know, we, we don't. They're not necessarily at that level where they're really putting a hurting on WWE, but. It's just offering an alternative. They're offering an alternative, which and is they're also pushing them to make their product better. So in turn, everything's getting better. You know, a high tide raises all ships, and that you know it's. For those of us who have been, you know, dealing with the years and years of of poor booking and just going through the motions matches, uh, this has been a fantastic last couple months of professional wrestling for both products. And then, of course, we've got like year long, you know, multi year long storylines like the, you know, the Tribal Chief, the Bloodline, everything like that. Right. You know, really, the, as those stories are coming to a close, and you know, it's just, uh, it's. It's fantastic to be excited about wrestling. Exactly. Again. I mean, there's something for everybody, no matter which program that you watch. I mean, WWE has more of storylines going on. Yeah. AEW is more about wrestling. You have Ring of Honor that's starting to become more about wrestling. Impact mm-hmm. Wrestling is bringing more, like I say, death matches or hardcore kind of matches, but yeah. they have really good storylines behind them. I mean, the one storyline that I've been invested with with watching Impact is the whole inner uh, inner uh, action with Bully Ray, Scott Demore, and all of them. I mean, yeah. And the crazy thing is, like, all these people that are in Impact that are legends, mm-hmm. I've never heard of. Like, one that I have been particularly invested in as of late has been uh, PCO. Oh, I've never heard of him. Oh yeah, he until... was an ROH guy for a really long time. Exactly. I never knew him until he came to Impact, but then I started learning more about him. I'm like, oh wait a minute, he was in Ring of Honor. Yeah. But yeah, just seeing all these guys come through Impact and Ring of Honor and. It's, yeah, it's crazy to, that he's like, you know, yeah, that he's gotten so much more over in the last few years because right. he's been doing this for a long time. Right. Like, he's not even a 10-year veteran. He's like a, I think he's like a 20-plus year veteran. Right. Uh, so, and he's still able to do all, all these crazy, like, aerial moves or dives yeah. and stuff like that. I mean, yeah, he's no spring chicken, and he's still, I mean, he's, yeah, he's throwing down with the best of them. So, it's right. really exciting to see stuff like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean it's, and then you got all your stuff over in MLW and Progress and Evolve. Right. Um, it's, I mean, it's there's always something for everybody. 
no matter where you're looking at or what program that you're interested in. There's always something going on in the world of wrestling that everybody can get invested in, which yeah. is fantastic. And one of the things I love about needed. AEW is that, you know, they're really getting into tying in a lot of the outside promotions and bringing that to the American audience. Right. You know, WWE, and you know, until somebody comes in through the NXT Performance Center doors, really, you don't necessarily get to see a whole lot of what else is out there from their standpoint, and then they like to whitewash it with their own branding, which I get. IPs is valuable, right? But uh, you know the this this Forbidden Door, this last, you know, you say even though the the pacing and storylines weren't necessarily super engaging, just the very fact that you know you've got a company that's willing to bring people in from different promotions and let their people go out to different promotions. You know, you had Kenny Omega at Triple A Mania at Triple Mania. Yeah, QT Marshall as well. Yep. You know, you've oh, got sorry, Marshall. Marshall. I, I wanna, yeah, gotta make that you, right. Yeah, I mean you've got guys that are coming from Triple A and they're coming for one spot, two spots. You've got guys like Kota Ibushi, you know, he's coming in and having a crazy match. You know, like blood and guts, but you know, it's maybe it's a one-off. Maybe he's going to stay for a longer contract. We don't know, right. and that's kind of exciting. You exactly. know, you don't know who's going to pop up when. Right. But we're going to get into the uh, wrestling here in just a little bit. But first, we thought we'd get into a segment where, because we've kind of touched on this with other guests before, asking what their Mount Rushmore is of just wrestlers in general or what their preference has been. But we're going to get into some other ideas of our Mount Rushmores. And one of the ones that we've got here, if you hadn't told, uh, figured out by the title of this episode, is we're going to get into our Mount Rushmore of tag teams. Now, we have, like, I think we're going to have different opinions on some of these, but I think we, we, we might have an agreement on maybe There's probably one going to be some two. overlap. I mean, I definitely think there are, uh, there are a handful of tag teams that... Not necessarily to say they transcend the business, but they have lasted the test of time, influenced, and have been successful in whether it be during the territory days or in different promotions. I mean, there's there's a handful of, of tag teams that you can call truly unique. So there's probably going to be an overlap then. And then there's, as I say, a lot of tag teams, it's dealer's choice. It's, it's what do you like? Right. Uh, I know with mine personally, you know, so I, I, my Mount Rushmore is not necessarily my, my top four favorite tag teams ever yeah, same here. because I'm an attitude kid. So I'm an attitude old man, um, <laughs> but I'm an attitude person. Right. So obviously you can take that for what you will, what my top tag teams are there. But I kind of looked at this for more of an overarching, you know, perspective of uh, older, current, um, you know, guys who aren't done wrestling, right? Guys who retired a long time ago, guys who created the modern era of tag team wrestling, right? Yeah, same with mine because I mean, mine's kind of the same way, you know. I I looked at because me, I grew up in like the ruthless discretion era and then Mm -hmm. so on from there, but. So you're gonna have back. you're not gonna you're, so you're telling me are you gonna put the Los Guerreros or the world's greatest tag team? No, <laughs> no, no. Trust me, I, don't, I think maybe or uh, Billy and Chuck. No, I don't have Billy and Chuck in mind, but good tag team though. I mean, good tag team, even better friends. Oh yeah. <laughs> so with that, we're gonna get into our Mount Rushmore. Uh, do you want to start, or do you want me to start it off? Uh, age before beauty, so that means I go first. Go for it. Okay, so uh, you want to go one to one, or you want to do all four each? Uh, we'll do one to one. Okay, so I'll give my first one. Um, the Rock and Roll Express. Okay, is, is my first one, and that's you know just simply uh, 
that is a tag team that I think every tag team watches the tape on. Like I think anybody, no matter where, whether it's the performance center or the nightmare factory or any training center there is, when you decide you're going to become a tag team, probably the first thing people tell you to do is watch tape of rock and roll. Exactly. Um, you know, Ricky, uh, he was, he's he, Ricky and Bobby. They like just the way they did things. I mean, I don't necessarily say they invented the hot tags. I definitely think the hot tag existed, but you know, really just like that desperation hand in the air, right. you know, the crowd just completely leaning in. That was them. Uh, and I say they, they were successful in multiple territories. They were successful in multiple promotions. They won tag team gold all over the world. And the crazy thing about it, those guys are in their seventies and, and they Ricky Morton is still, still going the destroyer yeah. on every single person. So, I mean, I, you know, hats off to them for everything they've done, everything they're doing. Um, and I say they're, they're in every hall of fame there is. So, um, yeah. How can I not pick the rock and roll express? Exactly. They weren't my first one that I picked, but I also had the rock and roll express on mine as well. So yeah, just to echo off of that, I mean, they had this high flying action that mm-hmm. you were captivated by because not a lot of tag teams or not a lot of people at that time were these kind of like crazy daredevil yeah, no, they were definitely they were definitely the foil to your brain busters like Tully and Arn. Exactly. So yeah, they were innovative, right. to say the least. Very, like a very innovative team, and are still able to do insane things even at their age today. But yeah, it was it wasn't just the high flying; it was it was the ring psychology. Oh yeah, they knew they knew how to let the crowd get on their side. Before, you know, you flip it and you have, you know, you, you start getting your heat in and you start working and you go home and, and you get the pen. Like you, you got to wait till the crowd is in desperation and, you know, you, you get them in the palm of your hand. Right. And that's what they did all over the place. Exactly. It's like the, that, that psychology. And, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about the importance of that level of psychology when we get into our reviews because there's some fantastic psychology going on. And uh, in dynamite this week, right. and, you know, talking about you know really having the crowd vested, but not necessarily having to kill yourself to get there. Exactly. But yeah, I echoed on that one as well with Rock and Roll Express. That was one of my teams as well. Yeah. So going back to yours as well. Uh, so who you, got for, who you got for your second one? My my next one. So I'm kind of do this in chronological order. My next one is the British Bulldogs. Okay. So, Davy Boy Smith and the Dynamite Kid. Okay. Um, a lot of people would probably go from this era. They'd probably go with the Hart Foundation or maybe even the Rockers. And me being a you know huge Shawn Michaels, HBK mark, you'd think I'd go with the Rockers. But no, um, the I, I I am my favorite tag teams will always be a combination of brute strength and you know great workmanship. And this is one of those fantastic tag teams that, once again, popular in multiple territories during the territory days, popular in multiple promotions. Um, both guys had separate runs, you know, individually. British Bulldog probably had the more nominal run here in the United States. Uh, but I don't think that anybody will ever um, 
not talk about how fantastic of a wrestler the Dynamite Kid is and how influential he was to probably the early 2000s, even today's modern wrestlers. Right. So, I mean, the British Bulldogs were, I mean, just the, the, the way they're packaged together and everything they did and just their, their, the way they were synchronized as a team with power and speed, it, it was, you know, it, you, they, they were never boring. And I say when they fought teams like the Rockers and they fought teams like the Hart Foundation, um, you know, it, that was, even though that's not my favorite era of professional wrestling, though anytime the British Bulldogs are you know go back and watch those old WrestleManias and old you know WWF product from the '80s, that's probably some of the best wrestling throughout the entire card. Right, and it's funny you kind of say that during that era, people either go with them or the Hart Foundation. I'm one of those people that go with the Hart Foundation, which is mm-hmm. my second team for my Mount Rushmore. Just a, one of those teams that's very technically gifted. Mm-hmm. One of like I'd say the best technical combination during that era. You had Jim the Anvil, Nightheart, and of course Brett the Hitman Hart. Very successful all throughout, like mm-hmm. not just in their home promotion, but all throughout all promotions during that time. And you look at the career that Brett Hart has had along I mean, even with Jim Nightheart, solo careers had great success and as a tag team was probably one of the most dominant factions. Like not just as the Hart Foundation, but the Hart family as a whole. I mean, yeah, like, and the British Bulldogs are part of the Hart family. Yeah, and it's a whole. Well. I mean, uh, but when you talk about, I mean, Pure World is still during the heart attack to this day. Oh yeah, it's one of the, I won't say the most used move of all time. It's I would say as the years has gone by, it's kind of been watered down a little bit with certain teams using it. I think it's used as a nostalgia act. Um, I would say that. Uh, you know, some teams have modified it a little bit, kind right. of like how some teams have modified the Doomsday device. Right. Um, you know, you take, like you take of, inspiration from your heroes and you modify it. And then some people, like I said, they just do it as a nostalgia act. But the, say the fact that more than 30 years after a tag team had their, you know, say their last real run, the fact that people are still using them and citing them as their inspiration. Yeah. It just speaks volumes to how much of an impact that they had during that time and still today. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Jim Anvil, Neidhart, and Bret Hart, I mean, once again, that's just that's one of those, I think, if you become a tag team, you go back and, you know, they give you tapes and they go, here, you watch this and like, you learn. This is what you look watch back what they and do. watch when you're becoming a tag team or when you're getting mm-hmm. into a tag team. Yeah, I had uh, the Hart Foundation on that one. Right on. We'll continue to move in uh, chronicle chronological order um this team so chronological order not necessarily like my favorite tag team in the world but i will say this is my favorite of all time tag team both because i'm an attitude era kid old man and because i don't really think there's any team that's been as successful in every promotion worldwide and just innovative, captivating in the history of professional wrestling. I think I might know where you go. The Dudley Boys. Yeah. <laughs> Another one on mine as well. Yeah. The, See, I knew we were going to have some similarities on some of these. Yeah. But yeah, I had Dudley Boys. You know, on being mine as an well. ad, being an attitude person, it's like you had the golden. I call it the attitude age, the golden age of tag team wrestling. Uh, I'd say we're kind of in a new golden age of tag team wrestling, or maybe kind of coming out of it. 
from like the 2010s where you had the Young Bucks and the Briscoes uh, and a lot of other teams. I'm not going to necessarily bury my lead on one of my other Mount Rushmores, but like in the Attitude Era when you had the Dudleys, Edge and Christian, and Matt and Hardy. Matt, Those were Matt some of the best the Boys, tag team matches that you could ever ask for. tag team matches you could ever ask for. I mean, TLC 1, TLC 2, ladder, the different ladder matches. I mean, stuff that the Dudley Boys did that wasn't even, even with the, the Hardys or Edge and Christian like – you know, stuff that they did with the Acolytes and things that they did against um, gosh, Too Cool, whatever. Exactly. Um, gosh, I love Too Cool. Uh, you know, anywhere you go, if someone says to somebody else and says, Bubba, everybody else will say, get the tables. Correction. They say, Devon. Devon, my bad, yeah, and Devon. They say, then they say, Get the table. Sorry, yeah. Alzheimer's disease. It's 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 a terrible, uh, terrible thing. Yeah, whether it was get the tables or the waza waza headbutt, and there are some waza headbutts that you go back and watch them. They land <laughs> square in between the nads. <laughs> it's crazy. But the funny thing about it, because I remember watching uh, the interview that Bully Ray did, or Bubba Dudley, whichever one you want to call him. He had an interview with Chris Van Vliet, or Vlee, how do you say his name? I can't remember how you pronounce it. You pronounce it. it different every week, so I'll I know. just go with it. Vlee, Vlee, Filet, whichever one it is. I'll go back and listen to it at some point. But in an interview, when they were talking about how the creation of the was up headbutt came along, mm-hmm. Bubba pitched it to Devon, and Devon pretty much said, there's no way I'm doing it. And Bubba's like, yes, <laughs> yes, you are. Yeah. And from then on, because that was during the com- uh, when the commercial for, uh, was it Bud Light? It was Bud, Bud Budweiser, Bud Light. It was a Bud, yeah, it was an yeah. Anheuser-Busch commercial. Right. I think it was Bud Light. Right. It was one of those commercials. When Waza! Waza! Yep. And it was, I remember, it was it was over. And that's like that, the was up headbutt and everything like that, tied in with the commercials and stuff. I mean, you'd see stuff like you'd see that on ESPN back back in the days, just because I said it, it tied in with the pop pop culture. But it's like, yeah, um, you know, Devon definitely uh, smelled a lot of nuts in uh, <laughs> in his career because of that was up headbutt. Exactly. Now, then again, it didn't always get used on just dudes too, right? <laughs> so you know, sometimes it smelled a little fishy too. <laughs> Oh man! But, but yeah, I mean, all we're saying know. is that Devon had to wash his face after every match. Absolutely, but, but yeah, the three, I boys, mean, the three D. Still yeah. to this day, I think it's the best. I think it's the best finish tag team finishing move in the history of professional wrestling. Oh yeah, and, and it's used. You, you you look at teams like the Usos who are using it now as the one D. Yep. And they right. got permission from the the Dudleys to use it, so they're not ripping it off. They're actually honoring them. Exactly. And then you you know you take. Uh, what is it? What does FTR call there? Because I, I always mix the big rig. Yeah, I always it. mix it up between the Shatter Machine and the big, you know, NXT days and stuff. Right. But like that's a flapjack turn into another, you know, into that's a code breaker. Code breaker. But that's taken the, from the the 3D. Yeah. And same thing with the guns. You know, if yep. Austin and Colton they use it and they call and it the flatliner, the, the 310 to Yuma. Yep. The 310 to Yuma. Yeah. There's so it's still used. Like it's the same thing with the Heart Foundation with uh, the Heart, the heart attack. attack. Yeah. Like all these different moves are still being used today. But yeah, the Dudley Boys. Had to go on my Mount Rushmore just oh, because yeah. of that era and because of what they brought into tag team wrestling. Because I, I mean, just I went back and forth between them and like the ones in, during that time, Edge and Christian and Jeff and yeah. Matt Hardy. Well, and it's but, like unlike unlike uh, them, Edge and Christian and Matt Hardy. This is the let's I'm trying to tally this correctly. Um, WWF tag team champions, right? Um, 
Impact Tag Team Champions, New Japan Tag Team Champions. Uh, I don't think they were ever in Ring of Honor. Um, but I think at one point that might have even been the WCW Tag Team Champions, right. just for the invasion angle. ECW Tag Team Champions. Right. And I maybe miss one or two territories at that point. I think maybe there I'm might sure have been... I'm missing M- a bunch of territories. Yeah, I think there might have been an NWA, because when uh, TNA slash Impact, before it was, became fully like separate yeah. at, that at point, one point they were, they were they were in well at that point tna was an affiliate of nwa so at one point the titles for tna were nwa titles right and then i think around 2000 maybe 2005 or 2006 when they split fully into their own promotion right and they became like it became the tna impact championship as opposed to the nwa uh world heavyweight championship right so the same thing with the titles uh is that they went from nwa titles to tna titles so yeah. um i mean let's say we're talking at least six major promotion championship tag team championships and then you say you see the fact that devon is a producer agent in the background bubba's still wrestling and you know the busted open podcast is one of the you know i think probably one of the best uh podcasts for professional wrestling there is right now and his you know his psychology and insight into the business is top tier yeah definitely and i i'd honestly go so far as to say that right now he is he's not on a televised show but i'd say that he's probably one of the most like hated heels currently going on today. He's one of the yeah, he's one of those people who knows how to get heat and knows how to work the crowd. I mean he's 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 he really is a tremendous mind for the business. Absolutely. Um, I, I, you know, I probably a credit, probably a good amount of that to the time that he spent under Paul Heyman right. and other uh, phenomenal legendary thinkers and doers of professional wrestling. But yeah, no, Bubba knows how to get heat, and uh, he also knows how to work smart. I mean, as somebody who's been in ECW and has been in so many different hardcore matches, he he knows now because he's taken so many bumps in the early part of his life. He can wrestle now. And use ring psychology to the point where he doesn't have to bump a whole lot. Right. But the crowd's invested. Exactly. Then we've got our last ones. Who you got for your last one on your Mount Rushmore? Last one is a modern day current tag team. You know, so I had to get, you know, I have to give credit to the guys. I swear if we get the same one. It's probably the same one. It's like I didn't put the Brain Busters on my Mount Rushmore because I feel like these guys have done it even better than the Brain Busters. And that's FTR. Yep. Same one. Only one difference. I Only one difference, yeah. I mean, wow. at the end of the day, they kind of. I feel like those ones really do answer answer themselves. Like you look at uh, modern day professional wrestlers. Like you look at the Young Bucks. Um, rest in peace uh, to the true Briscoes team itself. But the Briscoes uh, before before Jay Briscoe passed was definitely one of the best tag teams in the modern era. Agreed. You look at guys like the New Day and the Usos and stuff like that. And there's a lot of really great tag teams out there. But guys who once again, it's not about a spot fest. It's about being able to tell stories in the ring. It's about being able to draw in the the crowd because we know that professional wrestling is scripted. Right. And it's all about being able to suspend disbelief. And there are those workers who are able to get you to, dis- to suspend disbelief night in and night out. And that's not easily, that's not easily done. Right. And so you take guys like FTR. I mean, just look at what they did with, with, uh, 
with Jay White and uh, what's his name? Um, uh, totally. Juice, Juice Robinson. Juice Robinson. So, you know, Bullet Great Club. Great match. 58 minutes. Like almost pay-per-view worthy, I would say. One, of the, I mean, honestly, I think it's probably the best tag team match I've seen in in years. And the last best tag team match I would say was yeah. also FTR in a and two out of threes match. No, in a two out of threes mat, falls match with DIY Ooh, in NXT. Yeah, like my I forgot about that. I, was, I would say like something like in the last ten years, my top three favorite tag team matches. I'm pretty sure FTR has been in every single one of them. Yeah, if not two out of three. <laughs> Pun intended. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, just technically phenomenal tag team, but really makes it look like it's a sport essentially. Mm-hmm. I mean, they know how to work the ring. They know how to work their opponents. They know how to cut off their yeah, cut off their opponent from the ring. Work, you know, work the the, the great the, ring psychology. They can work as heels. They can work as as fa- like I honestly, when they first turned them face in AEW, I'm like, what are you doing? These guys are are heel tag team, right? But they're great as faces, too. Yeah, they're um, very versatile, with it, whether it's being a face or being a heel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they're they just, uh, you know, I, th- I say 20 years from now, I think anybody who's in a tag team is going to cite FTR as their, as their inspiration. 100%. So, it's, yeah, it's... Couldn't couldn't have a better tag team in the modern era to pick. So that's that. Those are the guys. So there, there's our Mount Rushmore for tag teams. And you know we've discussed this before. There are so many different Mount Rushmores that uh, we can do, or as fans that we can put together. And like we said, there's Mount Rushmores for uh, who the best workers are. Mount Rushmore's for the best talkers. Mount Rushmore's for the best, you know, overall characters. Or, you know, maybe there's a Mount Rushmore for, you know, who's the biggest box office attraction right. of all time. And then say so you got Mount Rushmore for tag teams like we just did. There can be Mount Rushmore uh, greatest female wrestlers of all time. No, Mount Rushmore be- greatest managers of all time. I mean, there's so many different ways that we can go with it. And we're going to go with it a bunch of different ways all throughout this podcast. And so- we're going to go in so many different ways. Yeah. I, if you, you can't see him, but the look that he just gave me was not the way that I intended for that to sound. But, yeah, I got we the could, look. We could have our own flag. <laughs> Fun with flags, right? Scratch that. For, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the words of Gene Wilder, strike that, reverse that. But those are our uh, Mount Rushmore of tag teams. If you guys have an idea for what your Mount Rushmore would be like, let us know on Facebook. Let us know on Instagram. We'd love to hear what you guys have to say about it. You ready to get in some reviews now, John? Absolutely. All right. So, great week of wrestling. I would say it was pretty one-sided on this one. Oh, so, no, for this yeah. week, I gave the, the win to AEW. 100%. It was a landslide. Uh, not to take, because of Dynamite. Dynamite was probably one of the best uh, two hours of professional wrestling I've watched in a long time. And Dynamite, to me, I mean, it was three or four matches total, but it felt like a pay-per-view. Right. Um. Like, I don't think SummerSlam, I think SummerSlam may not even be as good as this Dynamite was. Like, that's how, oh, yeah. that's how good it was. I mean, from top to bottom, storytelling, you know, the matches that the crowds wanted to see, the crowd, I mean, participation and involvement and everything was, I mean, it was second and none. Like I said earlier in, in, in the show, um, the garden was full, man. 
Um, and, you know, watching professional wrestling like we do, you kind of learn how to watch some of the camera angles. Right. And you kind of know when some shows are not nearly as full as the cameras make, suggesting that it looks just by certain camera views they don't choose to use. Right. And then you know when a show is full, when they're using like the panoramic views as they're coming in from commercials and stuff. Um, this was a this was a sold out show, one hundred percent, and it did not disappoint no. at all. And honestly, I will say the best match of the night, like the show's build for blood and guts, but I, to me, I think the best match of the night, as far as crowd involvement, the story that's being told, and like the crowds buy into that story, is one hundred percent. We're better than you, Bebe, versus Garcia and Guevara. 100%. I, I mean, mean, that doesn't, like, that whole match from beginning to end, like, from the minute that they came down the ramp to the mashup of MJF's theme and Adam Cole's theme, they're working. Oh, they had the me from jump. Oh, absolutely. I just thought it was the funniest thing that I'd ever seen. And everything there, like, it's, it, you know, it's what's so great about this whole shtick is we're all watching it. And nobody is in is suspending disbelief that MJF is a good guy. No. Nobody is suspending disbelief that Adam Cole is dumb enough to buy in to MJF's bull. Right. We're all watching this knowing that they're they're both hugging each other, you know, with knives behind the other one's back. Exactly. And at this point, the segments they give us are so good, we don't want the turn. Right. It's, it's like, like, we know it's coming. It's going to come, but we're just like, just hold off for like maybe a month or two so that we can just enjoy this a little bit more. Yeah, give me because another so give me another, uh, another outing to a restaurant. Yeah. You know, give me another video, you know, going going to video, you know, playing video games. And I mean, the best Fight Forever commercial of all time. Oh, 100%. Um, I mean... <laughs> How I don't know how many times they they you know they teased the double clothesline, which as we're talking about Mount Rushmore of, of tag teams, the dumbest tag team maneuver, like simplest, most you know, who cares tag team maneuver you could pick to have the double clothesline, the double clothesline, and they've got people just like panting like dogs in heat you know double clothesline give us the double clothesline oh and when they did garcia did such a great sell job i mean he looked like that double clothesline obliterated him yes and i I love it too i think it was a total it was a uh, it was a rib because when mjf pins uh garcia garcia flops over on him at the on after the three like like Rolls over onto MJ, right? <laughs> but like that looks like he's a dead carcass. Yeah, exactly. From a double clothesline. <laughs> but the thing I love so much about this match—not just obviously the vignettes and the funny—but what MJF and I'll say to this degree now, Adam Cole do so well is engaging the crowd, not pandering, but engaging the crowd. Right, and. Making things special. They make the double clothesline special. It's not a cool move. Right. In the world of professional wrestling, especially AEW, where we see, you know... You see people doing suicide dives almost every match. You see, like, you know, El Hijo del Vikingo doing springboard 630s, you know, through tables. Right. The very next match, we see people going into bed of nails... Oh gosh! Yeah. But we'll but get like what I'm, a little bit. But like I'm saying, like in in this match, the crowd is f- 
fully vested, even for just the sake of, of joking and just going along with the shtick. But the crowd is invested. The crowd is entertained. And, and they want to see the double clothesline. Right. And they tease it long enough so that you're like, when are they actually going to hit this thing? So that when they do hit it, it means something. Exactly. MJF. Right. building and building and building to the and, climax at the very you end. You know, and how many times has MJF done the bouncing off the ropes where it looks like he's going to do an outside dive and right. then he doesn't. And then this time he actually does. And they know how to tease it and sell it so that when it happens, it gets a full reaction. I mean, like I said, like you just said, this is a show where suicide dives are as common as DDTs and clotheslines. But when MJF hits a suicide dive, it's a huge deal because he doesn't do it. Right. And it's just like what they did, you know, the week before where he teases the scoop slam on Big Bill over <laughs> and over again. And then finally, it's in like that grandiose Hulk moment, Giant. it's right. like, I mean, he sells it like it's Hulk and Andre in WrestleMania 3. Right. And it's great because the crowd goes along with it because he's, they're, they're fully invested in, into what they're selling. They know they're selling a BS friendship. But they're, but they're doing it so well. They do it so that well. Like you have are to be fully. To it. Say when you when you fully commit to something, and I think that's probably like I mean anybody who wants to talk about professional wrestling and we talk about like bad gimmicks or bad storylines and stuff like that. I'm not going to say there aren't gimmicks that are, you know, un over that they can't be overcome. I'm also not going to say that there's not such bad gimmicks that they kill you at the beginning, like. The gobbledygooker is is not an overcomable gimmick, right? You know, uh, the shockmaster is is not a good gimmick. Uh, Eugene is not a good gimmick, but Eugene got over oh, because yeah. the guy fully committed to it. The Undertaker on paper not a great gimmick, but the guy who performed it and was fully committed to it and 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 threw himself into it fully and didn't break character. Turned it into one of the greatest gimmicks of all time. Exactly. And that's what you see here. You see a gimmick that can very easily be, meh, this is stupid. You know, we've seen MJF and, and Jericho do this before. It, it You can literally look at it and be like, oh, this has already been done before. This is not going to be entertaining. But they're like, no, we're going to make this entertaining. We're going to fully commit to this inter- being entertaining. And that's what these guys do so well. And so then you get a match like this. Not a spot fest. I don't think anybody walked away from this match with any injuries, minor or major. Right. But the pops were big. The crowd was invested. They, you know, if they would have walked away after that match, that crowd was entertained. Absolutely. That's to me. That's that's the shining star of professional wrestling, right there. When you can do good storytelling, when you can have good professional athletic, you know, matches but not necessarily have to be spot fests. I mean, great spots are great. Right. You know, coming from the Attitude Era, I'm a kid who loved ECW. I loved t- tables, ladders, and chairs matches. Yeah. I love Cage, Hell in a Cell. You know, but when you have, when everybody wants to be McFoley or everybody wants to be Jeff Hardy, then the things that McFoley and Jeff Hardy did don't mean as much. Right. But when you have people who can be Roddy Piper... You know, when you have people who can do the small things so well that they become big things and that commit to their character and don't don't break, even when it would be very easy to be like, come on, 
Like the, MJF's not breaking right now. Adam right. Cole's not breaking right now. Everyone knows their gimmick is complete BS. Right. But they're selling it like it's a hundred percent truth. Exactly. And that's entertaining. Right. So. And then going from there into the blood and guts match, I mean, totally different style of match completely. But that's see, that's the thing why I loved about Dynamite because you had the opening with Hook and uh, Jack Perry. I will straightforward say, match. Straightforward uh, match. And great we, Jack Perry's work as a heel. It's great. Yeah, I like, was. I mean, I like, compare it to. I kind of compare it to Christian Cage in a way. I definitely think he's probably spent some time, you know, I, I don't know how long and thought out the Jack, I mean, we've talked about this in the past that I knew the Jack Perry heel turn was coming. Yeah. I don't know how long it was planned, but yeah, I mean, I think you make a really good point. I mean, I, I bet you there was probably a lot of production between him and Christian, but I mean, he has, he has become a heel very well. Yeah. Uh, going from being a white meat baby face to uh, say just the you know the little thing the lit it's the little things that he does and just those little in ring you know the just little tweaks to his repertoire and how he works right that's the fantastic stuff that a lot of characters don't really get like when they turn heel but they're still trying to do the same things in the ring and they they just you know they they keep being the same person but they you know, I'm a mean person now. I'm going to insult the city and I'm going to tell everybody they're stupid and that's going to make me a heel. Exactly. But yeah, I mean, Dynamite definitely blew everybody out the water for this week. No, no questions asked. I mean, I mean, the blood I mean guts honestly, match. Collision even was kind of subpar to everything else as well. I mean, yes, Collision was good, but yeah, I mean, following a Dynamite like they, they had this last Wednesday, I mean, it's kind of hard to follow that. The only thing that's kind of shocking was Billy Gunn placing his boots in the ring. Yeah, that you know, I think we'll kind of see where that's going. I mean, I don't think that's a true. Um, yeah, I don't think. I don't yeah. think that's a true retirement. But at the end of the day, I mean, the guy's. I think he's about to be sixty years old. Yeah, but I mean, still, um, he's still like he's like the crowd was chanting. He still got it. He does not. He I mean, can still hang with the best of them. He still has. I mean, I think he has one of the better physiques on the entire roster for real. And he's still able to take the bumps. He's still able to. Carry himself like maybe not as agile as he used to be, but he doesn't need to be that agile because he's still got the ring presence that he used to have, and he's still able to connect with the audience. He's still able. Oh, he to definitely do with connects the with the audience. Yeah. I mean, because I mean, him and the acclaimed have been able to draw like a shtick that oh, yeah. is well over. It's very inappropriate, but well over with the crowd. And like and, I said in one of our past episodes, Billy Gunn is responsible. For generations of kids getting sent to the principal's office at and this point. And is probably responsible for that as we speak. That's what I'm saying. With the scissoring versus the uh, crotch the, chopping. Uh, the crotch chopping. <laughs> I mean, little things here and there, but they get you in a lot of trouble. I, I can say as one who spent quite a bit of time in the principal's office for the chopping of the crotching. Exactly. But yeah, I mean, that's our reviews for this week. A lot yeah. has happened in, this, in the world of wrestling today, but... I'm excited for what's coming up. I mean, SummerSlam's right around the corner, and then All In's going to yeah, be coming build, out. The build for SummerSlam is 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 really good right now. I mean, you can you know we've got quite a few of the card uh, put together already. Um, you know, Roman versus Jay in a what what, what are they calling it? Is this tribal? Uh, oh, uh, tribal combat. Tribal combat. Yeah. So essentially, it's just an it's a no holds bar match. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's giving, it's the, the theme and 
you know, we're going to have Cody versus Brock. And, uh, I mean, I think we can all pretty much figure out that Cody's probably going to beat Brock. Um, the question is, is when Cody beats Brock, who comes out? There are some people saying it's going to be Bray Wyatt. Right. There are some people that are thinking maybe it might be Randy Orton. Um, see, I'd love to see Randy Orton and Cody yeah, Rhodes go out. Honestly, I'd rather see Randy. Um, just because I don't want to see Bray because if it is Bray, then they've booked themselves into a lose-lose situation. Right. Because once again, if you bring Bray Wyatt in, you're going to be bringing in Bray and you're going to be beating him, therefore making his character obsolete. Again. Again. And then if you book Bray to win, then you're trouncing Cody's momentum. And I think he's the most over wrestler that WWE has right now next to Seth Rollins. And I would say Roman's over as a heel, but you know, as far as your faces go, it's Cody and Seth. Right. So, yeah. uh, SummerSlam. Yeah. It's, it's hot. It's looking great. What is that? Two, two weeks from now? I think or, so. Yeah. So yeah, SummerSlam is going to be fantastic. Hopefully, uh, they'll kind of start ramping some things up and we'll get, you know, as like, we're recording this on a Monday, hopefully raw will really start churning and burning and, uh, hopefully W, you know, I think, uh, since we've started doing the new system, I don't think WWE's won a week yet. No, so, it hasn't. Uh, I'd like to see WWE kind of get in. They're doing good stuff. They're just not winning. So I want to, I want to see them win out on on product. You yeah. Know? And then maybe they will this week, but we'll just have to wait and see. Yes, we shall indeed, sir. Once again, that guys, thank you for listening to our episode here. Go and check us out on social media at Five Star Drivers on Facebook and Instagram. More content is coming towards your way, and as always, keep it five stars. <laughs>